You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday, y'all. And uh, I have my and also with y'all shirt on from Concordia Publishing House today. <laughs> so it's a good day. It's Monday. That means it's Mental Health Monday, too. So we'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman here in just a moment, continuing our series on trust. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday, continuing our series on trust. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. It's good to be here. Today is our last issue of trust. And so we're going to move on to something new <laughs> next week. And for the month of September, we'll be talking about the concepts of shame and curiosity in particular, um, and how that is uh, works throughout our lifespan, but especially early on for our, our development and how God has created us in this world and our uh, experiences and how they impact them. So I'm excited to maybe move along a little bit, but I think we've had so many good conversations around trust. I think this we should clarify, this is the last conversation in this series on trust. This isn't our last issue with trust. Trust me. That's true. Good point. Oh my goodness. Now we have all kinds of issues. Um, so we, we've talked about trust from a, a, a number of different angles and um, building trust. What are, today we're going to look at roadblocks to trust. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. The things that break trust, but also I think more often that block trust. You know, there's uh, an absence of the development of trust sometimes in relationships. And so we're going to look at the things that do that. And I think especially this applies to our individual relationships, our family life, but also our congregational life. I see a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today pop up in those intimate relationships of congregations. Um, and so I just special attention paid to that today. So let's dig in then. What are some of the uh, specific things that break or block trust? Yeah, so I think it's important to remember the place of both nature and nurture here uh, before we like list specifics. And I have a little list uh, for that. <laughs> but then we'll also, don't worry, listener, get to the things that build that then in reverse. You know, we will, uh, God is always working and always healing and restoring. And so there are the things that build it as well. But nature and nurture are these two different uh, ways that I think God feeds our development, if you will. So there are things that he has put in us that we are made uh, with, you know, DNA structures and even parts of our personality, uh, different strengths that we have both physically, uh, but also like mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and all of that. Um, and some of that is uh just really good stuff of God, you know, we're so grateful for it. And, and then others of it, are part of the fallen nature that we have. And so, you know, that's going to include uh, our sinful tendency, our old Adam and that kind of thing. Uh, but, but it's important that we understand that some of those things are kind of set, like we're not going to ever be not sinful people. <laughs> that's really unrealistic. And so having that foundational understanding of ourselves and other people has a lot of power in order to inter change how we interact with people and the grace that we're able to bring to them. You know, the Bible verse we've talked a lot about with this series on trust is uh, 
the the woman that she has been forgiven much. She loves much because she's been forgiven much. That is our place, our space as children of the Most High God um, through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we need to understand about nature. But there's a lot of other details about that, things that are kind of set about who Heidi Gaiman is or who Sarah Gulseth is, who Andy Bates is. You know, those things are uh, some set things. But there's also nurture, which is the fact that we're malleable, flexible, and we have plasticity in our brains and, and throughout our entire being. And so we can change and grow. We can make choices to do something different. Uh, we can reach out for new relationships and new understandings, new knowledge, um, and a change of heart. And Ezekiel really is the book, I think, that addresses this so well, where uh, God says that he's going to give their, uh, them a heart of flesh in exchange for a heart of stone. And so God can do that with all of our lives. Um, and so holding those two together helps us to understand that there's a lot less shame in some of our overt tendencies, like if we're introvert or extrovert or polyvert, if you will, or <laughs> if we are a multi-potentialite or all of those different things <laughs> about our specific tendencies, you know, but then also know that we can grow. We don't have to be stuck in those tendencies that God has made uh, his redemption for us. And so a lot can change and we have some power over that. Um, so nature and nurture, super important with trust. Um, that said, our experiences are also really going to impact our ability to trust as well as how we see trust. Um, coming from other people. So here's some things we know from research that will break or block trust. And it's generalizable research with thousands of participants. And so we can look at it and say, this is mostly true for people. That doesn't mean every single time it happens, trust is going to be broken or blocked. But we want to keep these things in mind. And so some of them are going to be no big surprise. But one of the big ones is dishonesty and secrets. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that just how uncomfortable does that make you when you know there's a secret, when you know there's some shadiness going on in the room around you? Or if you're in a meeting and it seems like some people know information that you have never been given, um, you can see how this would be really difficult, especially mm -hmm. within church meetings. Like, so there's a difference between dishonesty and secrets and confidentiality. Those are two very different things. So, so being able to uh, respect confidentiality, but not have secrets means that a broad group gets broad information that's really healthy. And so that's the reason why our pastor presents, I visited X number of people this month or, um, you know, when we have a prayer chain, we say like so-and-so's uh, struggling or in the hospital or something like that. But then a narrow group might get more specific information. That's one way we kind of combat the idea of dishonesty and secrets. So the idea of transparency, for instance, in church finances is important or in our uh, family budget. But that doesn't mean we give our two-year-old like a rundown of how much we spent at the grocery store every week. Um, and the same thing in our <laughs> churches, like that doesn't mean everyone needs every piece of information or someone has to sign every receipt. It does mean we have a budget and we have this information and how, how much of it we've spent and everything. So that's really important. Also going along with it is gossip. 
uh, gossip is, I cannot tell you how destructive gossip is. It's so interesting to me because as I read the New Testament epistles, especially, which is really what we see the formation of the church in the early church happening, words and gossip are mentioned far more than many, many other sins. And so keeping in mind that what is gossip? Uh, what does that look like? You know, I really challenge the listener to dig into that. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. We especially don't talk about it enough in our families and then in our churches. What does gossip look like on that very intimate level of family life? But what does gossip look like in the family of God? I think we should start asking ourselves that. Yeah. Um, and so the last couple are just a failure to show up, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the, this mm -hmm. idea that uh, people should show up for you, but we don't show up for them. And so I see this a lot in really small, intricate ways, like utilizing the idea that you're an introvert to not do things, to not engage. Um, you know, I totally get it. I, I Most people believe that I'm an extrovert. And I'm a very like middle range person on any of my Myers-Briggs stuff. Um, and so the, I want to curl up with a book most times. I can't stand baby showers or bridal showers or any kind of really awkward narthex conversation. Um, and so I understand, <laughs> you know, not wanting to like step outside your comfort zone all the time. Um, and, and we respect that. But kind of what is our average? If we have a friendship we'd like to maintain, we cannot continue to say no every time someone contacts us. We also can't continue to expect people to reach out to us and never reach into their life. Um, and so just kind of being aware of those dynamics, like what's the give and take in our relationships of showing up? This also goes along with the concept of bailing out. Uh, so if I say I'm going to do something, um, like come to a party, and then at the last minute, I'm constantly canceling because of something else. Uh, that's not going to go well for my relationships long term. Uh, one of the things we see from research that I think is super interesting that has a great connection to the church is how important it is that we show up to funerals for people. Uh, that shows up very specifically in research that builds trust. And so... Hmm. It's a small thing, and I know it's really inconvenient, right, to get off work and to reorganize your schedule um, and to be awkward and try to make conversation with family members that you don't know uh, after a funeral. But but showing up for a funeral is really, really powerful. That also means that in the time of COVID, maybe we're going to get creative. You know, maybe we're going to make sure we leave a message like we so often can on the funeral home website for the loved ones, or we're going to send a card or flowers or do whatever, whatever showing up looks like. It doesn't have to look up like the same for everyone. So do you guys have any thoughts on that before we keep going? Hmm. The, the showing up, that really, that strikes home uh, for me, uh, the importance of, of, I, I too am, am like reluctant to go have those conversations, like you said, the narthex conversations, but also find them so valuable as well, because sometimes mm -hmm. that's the only chance you get to connect with uh, other people, other members of your congregation. And so um, sometimes I have to step outside my comfort zone to make myself have those conversations. <laughs> but then when I do, then I find them very 
rewarding. It's it, it just mm-hmm. takes a bit to find that common ground to have that conversation. So if you're that person listening right now and find that kind of challenging or think that that's just terrifying to have those conversations, they can be rewarding and can be valuable and can certainly mm-hmm. be building trust as well. I know that we have more to talk about. We'll do that here in just a moment as we continue our conversation on trust, roadblocks to trust, what hinders trust, and also building trust as well. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. It's Mental Health Monday. We're checking in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. This is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Since 1886, Trinity Lutheran Church in Nashville, Illinois, has been making disciples in their community. Trinity and their associated school, Trinity St. John Lutheran School, reaches out to Washington County, Illinois with the gospel to teach and to baptize. Trinity offers local Lutherans alternative times of the week to worship, with services on Wednesday and Saturday nights, in addition to their Sunday morning. Because whenever you hear the word of God proclaimed, that's when you get your Sabbath rest in Jesus. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. Talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, continuing our series on trust. And today we're talking about roadblocks to trust. Uh, before we went to break, I was just uh, burying my soul about uncomfortable. What else do we do in Mental Health Monday? That's right. That's true. And I don't know where this fits in. Well, I'll I'll let you carry on and then we'll see if my other point fits into what we're talking about today. So back to you, Heidi. (laughs) No, right. I'm very curious uh, what you're thinking. But I loved how you contextualized that before the break, Andy. That's that nature and nurture piece that we're talking about that's so important. So naturally, my internal nature doesn't want to pay Knarthex small talk. I'm not good at small talk. Uh, I want to dive into deep conversations. So I'm guaranteed to make it super awkward immediately. Um, But nurture has taught me 
and being in God's word and being nurtured by it, the value of that conversation and the value of awkward even in getting to something deeper and more meaningful in relationship. You know, relationships don't start out immediately intimate, especially I think in the family of God, we've kind of sold ourselves on this idea that because it's the quote unquote family of God, and that's what we believe it's in scripture, that suddenly there's this instant intimacy. And that is true, but also not true. And so relationships always take time and they take some building. And so that's what we're doing with this. Um, just a couple more of things that break trust is this is a big one walking outside of what you believe. So this is funny because so often in trust, we, this is not an interpersonal thing that we see it as, but it really is picked up by other people around us. And it's one reason that's adultery is so spiritually impactful for the entire body of Christ or your circle of friends or your family members is because when we walk outside of what we believe, it becomes a question for all of us um, about, well, can we trust who you are then, who you've presented yourself as to us? Um, and, and it just kind of breaks down, if you will, the molecular structure of the relationships. And so those have to be rebuilt. Now, is redemption and restoration part of our lives? Absolutely. And so I'm going to walk outside of what I believe I hopefully not frequently, but it is going to happen. Um, and so we just need to be open and honest with that. That builds trust then when we say like, wow, I messed up. I did, you know, I wasn't really living my values in that. That also means we kind of need to do the hard work of figuring out our actual values. Um, and so therapy does that for us. Being in God's word, being part of Bible studies and rooting through those conversations will help us be able to walk more, not perfectly, but walk more of what we believe and what we talk about. Um, and that builds trust in relationships. Um, and then and the last real trust breaker that I thought was important to bring up today is the absence of vulnerability. So if I never open up to you, if I don't share with you some of my struggles, my pain, as well as my joy and victory, this is why social media also, by the way, is one reason why it can be so destructive. If you never see the other side of the coin of my life, eventually that relationship will shut down. Because there's no reciprocity. If I'm sharing with you my struggle and you only have joy, 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 joy down in your heart, you know, and we never have a mix of the two, uh, then there's there's no real vulnerability and that will break down trust. Absolutely. And, and it really does. We're going to move in next week into the concept of shame and it actually builds shame when there's no vulnerability going back and forth between two people in a relationship. So, um, do you guys have any thoughts? And what were you thinking, Andy, before we move on and then have to wrap up probably sooner than I ever think? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I've been um, participating in or co-leading the um, One Nation Under God Bible study with mm, a group at my mm -hmm. congregation, uh, Healing Racial Divides in America. And um, so much of it comes back to so much of the issues that we face come back to um, our lack of trust and um, maybe one experience that we had here that a bad experience that we had that we then um, project that onto a whole group of people and then don't mm -hmm. trust a whole group of people because of one experience. Um, yeah. and, and, and it wasn't even really, you know, probably wasn't even a, a, a real deep experience either, just 
you know it's mm-hmm. uh, uh mm-hmm. distrust is really i think um what has caused many of the the problems that we face as you pointed out earlier in the church today but also in our communities and in our nation mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really important. And I think we have to think of the layers of experience. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really therapeutic Mm -hmm. idea. um, But we're everyone is a series of experiences. Um, and, and especially when we've had experiences, and this is what happens with uh, racial groups in particular, when they've had a series of experiences that build distrust within their community uh, or within uh, our nation, like we're seeing right now, it's going to come to a head at some point. And so we have to align those values. So that's what we were talking earlier. When, when we walk outside, so if we as a Christian church, are like, we believe that God died for all people and values all people and that there really is no races, that that's a made up human idea. Um, then we have to walk in that. And that can be really challenging. Um, and it has a lot of uh, knots in it, if you will, to undo what that means. I would say that the most important thing is the undoing of the knots. That's even more important than the final outcome. And so what people are asking for, for instance, in racial justice right now, even within our own church body in LCMS, is let's undo the knots together. Let's figure that out. What has happened? What experiences are layered up for people? And how can we converse about them? And I did the online version of that study with Keith, the author himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that was part of it is he, his desire to get the conversation flowing um, to work on undoing those knots. And I just I really respect that because that does build trust. That's really good. I'm glad you brought that up, Andy. Um, the same thing in, in marriages that have a adultery happen in them, like that is repairable. Um, And in fact, it's very interesting, the statistics on it, um, that its ability to be repaired, and it has to do with this, like realigning our values, getting back to undoing those knots. Who are we? What do we believe in? And how do we walk in that together? So so there is hope whenever we're going to break our values in all kinds of different ways all the time in our relationships. Um, But forgiveness, confession, and undoing the knots in conversation about it go a really long way. Um, The other thing I wanted to say that builds trust that's really important for the body of Christ, but also in family life, is lead and follow well. And this happens between, I'm sure, you and Sarah and other staff members in your offices, too. We need good leaders, and, but we also need good followers and we need to know where our wheelhouse is in that. Um, and so we're not always great about that in the body of Christ, I think, because there's a lot of volunteering happening and things mm-hmm. and a lot of um, unclarity of expectations. Um, and so giving people the skills that they need to do the tasks, that's good leadership, as well as creating a grace-based culture where forgiveness uh, is expected, which means mistakes are expected. Uh, That's a place of vulnerability that is really, really powerful within the body of Christ, because we, we talk that talk all the time. But in the meetings, in the activities, in the suffering, and in the rejoicing together, that's where we walk that. And so we want to see that happen. And a lot of times that leading and following, I've noticed, is a, is a big deal for building trust. And so people will come into a church and check it out and everything. Um, and I've seen many, many people kind of fall away from church because the leadership structure wasn't there. Um, they felt very uncomfortable and even unsafe, if you will, in church meetings because they didn't know what was going to happen in them or how people were going to treat each other. Um, And so we need 
good leadership as well as good following and listening to our leaders and listening to professionals who know what they're talking about. Uh, that's really important within the body of Christ. And same thing with parenting and children and families. Um, we need to each know our zone, but also be able to influence each other, each other. And so the last one I want to bring up today, because I know we're time is a ticking, is um, <laughs> is appreciation. You know, appreciation really goes a long way. And I'm not talking about a thank you note in the bulletin. I'm talking about just the very human one-on-one. -on -one, hey, I noticed. You know, hey, thanks for being a part of this community. Hey, I'm glad you're here. That's the kind of appreciation I'm talking about. And and you know, I think that relates to our earlier showing up concept that I'm going to show up and notice that you're here. And I'm going to notice when you show up in my life and in this community that we're uh, living and working in together. So do you guys have any thoughts or stories about ways that trust have, you've seen it broken or blocked or ways that you've seen it built? I think it's really powerful that uh, when a relationship is in a broken state, and I've had those in my life, um, that uh, the relationship can be even stronger when you do work through these building mm -hmm. blocks of trust and you do get past those things that broke the relationship to begin with, that uh, it, it can be even more, an even closer bond on the other side of that because you've had to work together and uh, and mm -hmm. do and put put in the work to the relationship in order to uh, in order to, to keep it going because it's that important to you to, to yeah. build the trust back. Yeah, that's so true. In my book that comes out in March or April um, from Concordia Publishing House that's on brokenness, hope, and restoration, I work through this in different segments, the idea that there is uh, so much to be said for awkward and forgiveness in relationships. The more I mm -hmm. study it, the more I believe that those two things build relationship more than anything else. You know, you can have all the amazing communication, but it isn't until the communication is messed up and then we've forgiven one another and worked through that and undid the knots, remember, that we have begun to form some real lasting trust um, and really kind of welded that relationship a little bit tighter. If awkward builds relationships, man, I'm a pro. I know, we are all on fire. <laughs> That's amazing. Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman right here at the Coffee Hour. Heidi, always good to chat with you. Yeah, we'll see you next time. <laughs> You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.